Seven minutes after the hour, Joe Gilbert is on from Action Tactical. It's it's joegilbert.us if you want to connect on the web. Larry Whalen on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good morning, You betcha. Uh, and I'm also pleased to tell you that we have Dr. John Lott on the program. Uh, he is a violence prevention expert, if ever there was. He's written a new book called Gun Control Myths. And I'm going to tell you right now, we could spend a half an hour just talking about the introduction in this book, uh, much less uh, down to the nitty-gritty that uh, he details in it. Uh, and if you're uh, interested in getting it, uh, John, welcome. Glad to have you back on the program. Can we get this book at your website uh, or, uh, you know, what other uh, locations are available? Uh, and, by the way, the website is Crime from Barnes. Barnes & Noble? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Barnes you, and Noble on Amazon. And uh, the website, by the way, is crimeresearch.org. Uh, I describe you as a violence prevention expert uh, because I, you know, you pointed out in your uh, in your book how the uh, anti-gun people um, are are painted that way, and you're just a, a, a Second Amendment supporter. But really, if I pay attention to the things that you point out in your book, you're telling me the places to avoid uh, so I can avoid that violence. Uh, it's a yeah, distinction. I mean, that's what got me, right. I mean, that's what got me into this entire debate. I'm not, I don't argue based on Second Amendment stuff. That's not what drives me. That's not what got me interested in this. I, try, I got involved because I was trying to figure out what, made people safer and it's i find it very irritating that uh the gun control advocates are labeled by the media as violence prevention people whereas i'm labeled as you know a gun rights person i'm not i don't i didn't do this research so i could justify people owning guns i did this research to figure out what made people safer uh i subscribe by the way at crimeresearch.org uh, to your newsletters and uh, it is it provides us great fodder for conversation on this program as well as my weekday show. Uh, and it's a great resource when you hear the anti-gun people out there uh, making specious arguments. And they get a lot of coverage. Uh, does Bloomberg actually pay for gun control claims in the media? Well, yeah, I, I had a piece uh, at Real Clear Politics this last week that uh, people could see on our website uh, at crimeresearch.org, as you said. And uh, what he does is he has uh, agreements. His his The Trace has agreements with literally dozens of media outlets uh, to go and write articles that are then under their names and replaced from you know, NPR to Slate to, you know, uh, New York Magazine to lots of different places. And, you know, I one can only imagine if uh, one of those places were to make an agreement with the NRA, you know, to have one of their employees write up articles that would then go under, you know, National Public Radio's name or something like that. Obviously, that would never happen. Uh, but when you go and you talk to the media outlets, I had conversations with the senior editor at Scientific American. They said, well, you know, uh, the Trace is just an independent newsroom. And it's like, 
are, are we serious? I mean, you can go through and look at their pieces, and uh, uh, they're always attacking the NRA. They're always attacking uh, anybody who gets money from the NRA because they say that that financially biases them. But yet, uh, you know, Bloomberg is viewed as, uh, you know, a, an objective party, and the money that he gives out uh, isn't viewed as biasing anybody. Look, I don't. I don't necessarily think that uh, the money causes people to be different than they otherwise would have. But what I think it does show is that Bloomberg, I believe, only gives money to people that he he feels are solidly in his corner. And for some place like Scientific American, which is claiming to be objective science type research, to then go and have. You know, an editor uh, who uh, who works for Bloomberg. Uh, you know, I think it's hard, and having them run the major gun uh, stories in Scientific American, I think it it begs belief to think that uh, that person would be an objective uh, reporter on those things. I was, uh, you know. It, it, Literally, I could spend a half an hour with you just talking about the introduction. The forward is by Andrew Pollock, whose daughter, uh, sadly, was killed at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And he says at the get-go, he was not necessarily uh, a big Second Amendment supporter. But he did his homework, uh, and he literally has written the forward for your, uh, for your book. Uh, and I thought that was pretty impressive, uh, that somebody That's who... That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah. nice of him to do that. Uh, I've gotten to become friends with Andrew. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I have to say uh, his evolution on views is uh, somewhat similar to mine. I didn't have particularly strong views on guns. Obviously, I haven't had a, the tragedy that he's had happen. But uh, my views have also evolved over time, though for different reasons. As I've done the research on these things, uh, you know, I, I, there's no way I would have predicted uh, 20 years ago I'd have the views that I do now on guns. You know, the well, dangers of gun-free zones and and things that which I'm, I'm I know are dear to Andrew Pollock's heart. There is uh, it, it, this uh, diversion here. The the, the Parkland, Florida uh, school shooting got all kinds of coverage, um, and it was you know a horrible tragedy. But what happened in Santa Fe, Texas? Did that get that didn't right. seem to get much coverage? Right, I had one kind of interesting incident that happened to me. I uh, at the time I was able to kind of text back and forth with uh, Jake Tapper and uh, at CNN, and um, when Jake uh, did the town hall for Parkland, I texted him. I said, you know, wasn't it possible to find even one person who would go and ask a skeptical question about the benefits of, of gun control during your town hall? And he said, well, John, you have to understand, uh, Parkland's in Broward County, and they're all very liberal down there. So, no, we weren't able to find anybody who was skeptical. I mean, I know that that's not true, but in any case, um, because uh, you know, uh, Andrew Pollack and others are examples of people that were skeptical of gun control. But uh, in any case, uh, when the Santa Fe shooting occurred, I reached out to Jake and I said, well, so are you going to have another town hall uh, after that shooting? 
because uh, you know here you have families that are already speaking out about being upset that the teachers weren't armed, and uh, uh, Jake never responded to me. Uh, you know, it was just an example of of kind of the selective news reporting that the media engages in. Uh, you know, I, I know Jake. Uh, I think one of his first jobs or his first job out of college was to work for uh, what was called then handgun control later changed his name to the Brady campaign. So I know he has very strong views on these issues, but, um, you know, uh, uh, I have a, a significant discussion in the book about the media biases on, uh, on mass public shootings. And there's, several points to make on it. One is, um, I think the entire gun control debate would be dramatically different if even once in a while the news stories on these mass public shootings when they occur would even just mention that we've had yet another mass public shooting in a place where guns are banned. Ninety-four percent of these mass public shootings take place in areas where civilians are banned from having guns. Um, you know, these killers may be crazy, but they're not stupid. Uh, they try to pick areas where they know their victims are defenseless. Their goal is to try to kill as many people as possible. And if they go to a place where victims are defenseless, it makes it easier for them to accomplish that goal. You know, you may have police that are armed in some of these places, but if you have one officer in a place and he's the only person that's allowed to have a gun, uh, and these attackers decide to go and do the attack, who do you think is the first person that they have killed? Um, if you had civilians with concealed handguns, it takes away the strategic advantages that these killers have. Um, it would also make it safer for the officer if you still decide to have an officer there because if the person is going to attack the officer, they reveal their position, and now they have to worry that someone behind them or to the side might be able to stop them. The, another example of how the media impacts this debate is uh, what they don't cover, and that is, you know, just last week uh, we had a case in Indianapolis or Indiana where uh, a concealed handgun permit holder stopped what otherwise would have been a mass public shooting. We have a write-up on this in our our newsletter or email that we sent out that you were just talking about earlier. And, um, but, you know, the police uh, captain in that case said that she believed that many people would have been killed if it hadn't been for the presence of uh, the permit holder. Uh, in the book, I have a chapter uh, where we list literally dozens of cases where, in just the last few years, uh, concealed handgun permit holders have stopped uh, what otherwise would have been mass public shootings. These just don't get coverage in the last five years. Uh, there's only really been two stories uh, that we discussed that uh, uh, were involve uh, a permit holder stopping a mass public shooting. They got national news coverage, and the national media botched those stories. Uh, just one example, uh, just a few days after the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh, there was uh, an attack at a Kroger grocery store in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, the attacker had gone into the grocery store, uh, was shooting blacks. And um, what got the attention of the national media, like uh, the New York Times and 
Meet the Press and uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, was the quote from the attacker uh, to a customer in the store saying, whites don't shoot whites. Uh, They played it as uh, the white attacker telling a white customer that he had nothing to worry about because they were both white. But that's not really what was going... That really is not what was going on. I'm up against a commercial break. Can I keep you for a few more minutes, John? Sure. All right, Dr. John Lott. He's written a new book, uh, and it is just chock full of information. Gun Control Myths. He is a violence prevention expert. He's on Gary on Guns. Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 25 minutes after the hour, Dr. John Lott on board. He is a violence prevention expert. His latest book is Gun Control Myths. We haven't even gotten into the meat of this thing. This book is chock full of information that you need to have. Uh, his, uh, his website is uh, definitely worth uh, signing up for the email. It's crimeresearch.org. Talking about a case uh, that was in the news where this uh, white guy went into the grocery store. He starts shooting black people. And the quote that we keep hearing is when he turns to another guy and says, white people don't shoot white people. But that's not the whole story, is it, John? No, the, they left out the first part of the quote where uh, the murderer said to the customer, please don't shoot me. White people don't shoot white people. So, you know, rather than assuring the customer that the customer wasn't going to get shot, what was actually happening is the customer had a concealed handgun permit and was pointing his gun at the murderer. And and the murderer was begging the customer not to shoot the murderer. And uh, they, in fact, did exchange gunfire. Um, the murderer was seriously wounded. He got into his car tried to drive away, got about a mile down the road where he passed out, and uh, the police later apprehended him. But, I mean, it was the opposite of what they were saying. I, At the time, I had been able to uh, text back and forth with Chuck Todd, the moderator for Meet the Press, and uh, he had spent like five minutes, it seemed, on the uh, on the incident, but he had only the partial quote that was there. So I had texted uh, Chuck, and I had said, look, you know, um, here are some uh, references to the local media which in Louisville, which have the complete quote, and uh, I think it completely changes the meaning of what you were talking about there. And, uh, you know, they, they were pushing the racism angle, and I was saying, you know, the other part of this is that here you have a white person uh, who is being assured that he was safe so he didn't need to do anything, but he still... Uh, tried to stop the uh, the murderer there who was trying to harm black people. So, I mean, you have a white trying to protect blacks. Uh, you could play that part of the story, too. And, uh, I, you know, I said maybe next week you could correct the story. But, of course, he never corrected the story, and also he blocked me after that point. Uh, Naturally. I wasn't able to text him anymore. Um, there is so much in this book to unpack that we're not ever going to be able to do it in a half an hour on the program. Uh, but I do want to cover a couple things. One of them is a study that keeps getting quoted over and over and over again about mass public shootings in the United States. Uh, you say that's a botched study. Can you give us some details? Yeah, there's this uh, professor at the University of Alabama who uh, who's research on this has probably gotten more worldwide 
publicity than any other academic research this century, uh, who claimed that 31% of the mass public shooters in the world were in the United States. I had, um, well, myself and many other uh, academics as well as news outlets had asked him for his list of cases. He had refused to provide them and also refused to explain exactly how he had put together the list. And um, and he did that for like four and a half years. I, I published an academic study last year that kind of forced him to finally uh, release his list. And it was clear he had literally missed thousands of cases of mass public shootings outside the United States, as well as overcounting the cases in the United States. And, uh, you know, it was clear why he hadn't released the list or why he had delayed it for four and a half years to release it, um, because it was a joke. And um, so anyway, rather than the United States making up 31 percent of the shooters, we actually make up about 1 percent, which is way below our share of the world population, which is near 5 percent. Uh, there are many countries in Europe. Uh, France has a fatality rate for mass public shootings, which is about 111% higher than the rate in the United States. Russia has a rate that's about 50% higher than the rate in the United States. Uh, Finland, Norway, Switzerland also have much higher rates than the United States. Uh, but, you know, you would never know that from watching the media. Uh, you know, to some extent, at least this bias is understandable in the sense that the United States media obviously covers attacks in the United States, not so much ones in other countries. But, you know, they're occurring all the time in other countries. You know, people know about the New Zealand mosque shooter last year. But did they know that within 24 hours of that attack, there was a big school shooting in Brazil? Or did they know that within 24 hours of it, there was a, a mass shooting in the Netherlands? All right. You know, these I, cases... I am, I'm just up against the clock. I would love to have sure. you on for much longer, but just up against the clock. Uh, you talk well, about the myth of the elect... Huh? Uh, thank you, John Lott. Uh, get the book. It's Gun Control Myths. And go to the website and sign up, crimeresearch.org. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 874-9390. The toll-free is 800-529-5572. Joe Gilbert is on board Action Tactical, uh, where you will learn not just, you know, how to shoot a gun, but what tactics you need to protect your family. If the bad guy comes to your home or your place of business, uh, it is a step beyond just plain old, you know, learn how to shoot. Uh, it is it's an invaluable tool uh, that will help you to uh, perhaps save lives in your family and with your friends. Uh, go to joegilbert.us, G-I-L-B-E-R-T, joegilbert.us. Larry Whalen is on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good morning, Gary. <laughs> Good morning. Um, boy, this book is so jam-packed with information. You ought to get a, see if you can get a, a discount on those books, Larry, and, and, and sell them with every gun. Uh, well, and, and John's research is just so impeccable, and, and he cites everything, and it's just so... It, it's horrible that we don't have a, a true uh, media, in, uh, you know, a free media in, in America. It, it, is, it is so agenda-driven, it is so money-driven, and it is so biased. Um, it, it's unfortunate that we have to go so far out, outside the, 
you know, the, the news to find out what's really going on. And John does a great job of, of showing us, you know, <clears throat> what what's really happening. Yeah, um, it, it, he really does a terrific job. Listen, um, I, I wanted to talk about uh, target practicing for just a minute. There are primarily uh, two uh, forms of target practice. One is the metal plate. The other one is the paper target. Uh, and for reasons, uh, diverse reasons, I like them both. I think the metal target is fun, but the paper target gives me more information. Do you guys have a preference on that, Joe? You know, the metal targets, um, they're satisfying on a visceral sense. You get that immediate ping that you hit it. Or yeah. On a paper target, you have to actually go back and score. Um, they're both very valuable, and uh, and I use both. I use them in conjunction with each other. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't choose, well, I would choose one over there. I'd choose paper just because it's, it's easier. You can't shoot indoors with metal targets um, just because the, the rounds ricochet. Um, but paper, you can score, and you can actually work on grouping. You can work on different drills, and uh, it's easier to do that with a target than it is on, on steel. Yeah, without uh, running out with a can of spray paint <laughs> to, 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 to spray paint the middle target white so you can see where the shot was, it, it makes it easier to zero in, Larry, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I, I like, like, the, like just said, it, it's, it's a combination of the both. If I if I only if I if I had to choose one, I would definitely choose the paper target. Um, again, because we can use it in so many different scenarios, we can use it at extremely close range, <clears throat> and um, you know it, it does it, it. The bullet is uh, the holes where the, the holes where the bullet hit. So you can you can definitely uh, use it as a benchmark to, to score yourself to work on skills. Um, you know, I love shooting steel targets. That that visceral feedback is, is amazing, um, and I think it's it's a it's a valuable tool. But um, you know, if I had to pick one, I, I would pick the paper, uh, just because um, there's there's very few limiting uh, you know very few things I can't do with paper targets. So um, you know, and, and it's cheaper. Um, it is a consumable. You're all going to use them up, unlike the steel. But um, yeah, I'd pick paper. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's move on uh, over at Modern Arms uh, at the Brown Station location. Uh, you've got a 45 AC. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right, Larry. Where's that? <laughs> right, right on that. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a Thompson, a 1927 um, Thompson um, 45 carbine. Auto ordnance, modern. Um, Modern gun, uh, reproduction of the uh, the Thompson submachine gun. This is the semi-automatic carbine with the 16-inch barrel, but it's got those uh, classic lines. It's got the um, the uh, walnut uh, finger groove vertical uh, foregrip, the um, satellite cut heat sink barrel, and um, we've got it. We've got the uh, the fiddle case um, that is sold with it. Uh, we've got the 50-round drum. We've got a number of uh, 20 and 30 round stick mags and uh, it's just so much fun shooting those thompson uh, thompson 45s and it is a semi-automatic in case there's a a, a novice to, to the gun show it's they're not fully automatic uh that requires in fact you couldn't even sell yeah because of the government anyway yeah, it's federally regulated to, to, to transfer machine guns we are we are licensed to do so but they are they are cost prohibitive it's just it's not a game a lot of people can play. Uh, but it sure looks like a fun firearm to own and shoot. Uh, you also have uh, an Ivor Johnson 45 uh, ACP. Uh, tell me yeah, about that. Ivor Johnson um, has uh, has released a line of uh, of 1911s. 
uh, built off the Series 70 patent. Um, they are really finely done. Um, it's got front cocking serrations, uh, Novak sights, uh, memory bump on the uh, on the, the grip safety, and uh, we've got them both in the four inch commander size. I also have a three inch or three and a half inch uh, officer size, and those sell brand new at seven. I'm sorry, at five hundred and seventy bucks. Uh, a great deal on an all steel frame, uh, forty five caliber, nineteen eleven. It's hard to beat. I can't. Yeah, uh, series seventy two, which is the the preferred. I yeah, can't. It's so much easier if if you want to do any trigger work yourself. So much easier to work on those series seventy guns. I can't see very clearly from the photograph. Um, does this have a, a a place to mount a light or a laser on the bottom? Is there a rail? It does not. Uh, this is the traditional uh, commander design, so it does not have the Picatinny rail at the 6 o'clock position in front of the trigger guard, uh, just the standard radius dust cover. Uh, but, uh, you know, Crimson Trace laser grips could certainly be added to it. Um, and there are some after-factory uh, pieces that you can buy to add flashlights if you wanted to. But uh, I would just run this one in its, in its natural Series 70 configuration, um, just like it's supposed to be. Yeah, I just love that 1911. Uh, everything about the 1911s, I just love them. Uh, tell me about the CZ. Uh, you got a nine millimeter CZ uh, yeah, P10. Yeah, the CZ uh, CZ P10. Um, this is a a full size uh, duty gun, uh, a 19 round magazine capacity. Uh, CZ. This is their striker driven. So uh, every trigger pull is always exactly the same. No exposed hammer. Uh, these guns do come uh, come in from the Czech Republic. Uh, the CZ um, line is uh, just a, a wonderful product. They've got uh, rifles, pistols, and shotguns, and um, this CZ P10F is the model, and 19-round uh, capacity in the magazines. Even has factory night sights already on it. Now, this one does have a Picatinny rail, uh, so if you wanted to add a flashlight or laser, it'd be very easy and cost-effective to add that to that. Um, this gun has the flat dark earth grip frame and the black slide and sells brand new at 575 I don't know how you could possibly go wrong. And those uh, are available at uh, Modern Arms. Over at the Brown Station location. Yeah, good morning. Yeah. Yeah, tightening it up. There we go. Larry Whalen with us from Modern Arms. And uh, Joe Gilbert, who is on board from Action Tactical. The actual website is joegilbert.us. G-I-L-B-E-R-T. Uh, I want to uh, uh, take a, a moment here, get our uh, sponsors in line, then we'll come back and wrap it up. Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is 48 minutes after the hour, and I am pleased to tell you that Joe Gilbert is with us from Action Tactical. Uh, you can find him at joegilbert.us, G-I-L-B-E-R-T, joegilbert.us. Larry Wayland is on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Well, he's getting better, I'll tell you. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that was a good one. I'm pretty sure it was a good one. Post from uh, Michael. He says, uh, I'm having trouble finding inexpensive forty caliber ammo for my handgun. Any advice? I can't afford two bucks a round for practice purposes. Well, uh, over at Modern Arms, we do have 100-round boxes of factory remanufactured forty Smith & Wesson that sells at 38 bucks. It's a 165-grain, flat-nosed, uh, jacketed projectile in um, once-fired brass. So, pretty good. That's pretty a good... good. If you're going to practice, yeah. that's the way to do it. Uh, so, head over to Modern Arms. 
At the Brown Station location. And, um, yeah, not, not as good. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, this baffled me uh, yesterday, but fortunately there has been a sea change in the direction. Up in Seattle, Washington, uh, the city council passed a law that would prevent the Seattle Police Department from using tear gas and, uh, you know, flashbangs and other uh, crowd control weapons. Uh, in spite of the fact that they're expecting a, a great deal of violent protesting in the city. And the first thing I thought of is... All they've got left are batons and a handgun. Uh, you know, so if you're trying to save lives, uh, this doesn't begin to make sense to me, Joe. It doesn't. And uh, I'll tell you what, pepper spray is, uh, is often overlooked. It's more important than ever now. And, you know, the, the usual tip of the week, um, this week is MYOB, mind your own business. Um, people are on pins and needles. We had a man stabbed in, in a convenience store, and the guy that did it ended up getting shot to death. Uh, in Michigan, over a mask. Um, people are on edge, so the protesters, the police, everybody, we just need to really be polite and calm and mind our own business. Save a lot of lives. Uh, but a federal judge has overturned a Seattle ordinance that prohibited police from using crowd control weapons. Uh, the last-minute decision comes hours after the city police chief said the force would be powerless to stop mob violence. You know, Larry, if, if, they, if I'm in law enforcement... And uh, the surge of, uh, of uh, uh, protesters is violently coming at me, and I can't disperse them with tear gas or with pepper spray. I know the baton isn't going to be enough to stop uh, from being overrun. That leaves me with one last weapon. Well, it, it, puts, it puts everybody at more danger when, when you've got uh, politicians um, you know, determining the rules of engagement. You've got, you've got law enforcement professionals. You've hired a police chief. And he, he has the training, and his, his, uh, his, his field officers have the tools to do the job. Let them do the job. You know, it's the same thing when, uh, when politicians in, in Washington want to do something. Is somebody disassembling a car in the background? What is all this noise I keep hearing? Is, is that coming from <laughs> Joe or Larry? Huh? I'm not hearing anything. All right. Um, <laughs> somebody's doing dishes. It sounded like somebody was doing their dishes, yeah. Tying the hands of, of, uh, of law enforcement or, or military is not something that politicians should do. Let them do their job. Let them enforce the law. And if you don't want the laws enforced, eliminate the laws. We can we could solve all crime right now today. We could just eliminate all laws. No laws, no, nothing to break. You know, and, and it's, it's just, it's sad that, that that's what local politicians in those municipalities want to do is tie the hands of the cops. I hate it. Well, it's an indication of just how little they know um, about uh, policing. Uh, they think they're going to, you know, make it safer for protesters by getting rid of the tear gas. All they're doing is making it, uh, you know, less safe in the long run because the police really only have one last weapon that they can use. Uh, and that's a firearm, uh, pretty much defeating their whole purpose. Uh, Unless that is the purpose. You know, is it ignorance or is it a plan? Yeah, I don't know. But if, if I were the law enforcement uh, people up there and that had stuck, and fortunately at the last minute, a uh, federal judge uh, or a judge stopped this. But if I were uh, in law enforcement up there, I would have said, you know what, everybody, let's just go home. And let's see how this plays out.
Um, yeah, take the night off. <laughs> America's going to be sad when the blue flu hits and, and you know, the, the anti, anti-police uh, sentiments, um, you know, when they get what they've asked for and, and we don't have police, thing, things aren't going to get better. Um, you know, that just emboldens criminals to, to conduct crimes in, in more aggressive manners. And I, I don't think that um, tying the hands of the cops is ever the right answer. We had a, a story out of uh, Berkeley, California, and, and this struck me as uh, just another example of the stupidity of politicians. They wanted to tell citizens, you know, give them a uniform and a car and let them do traffic stops um, unarmed. And all I could think of is, you know, when the bad guy thinks it's a cop and wants to get away, those citizens are going to end up dead. Uh, And all you have to do, and I talked about this briefly last week, is think about Molly Bowden. Uh, She was a police officer. She wasn't even going to keep this guy. She was going to let him go. But he ended up shooting and killing her. Uh, and, and she even had a gun. Now, what's going to happen if you send unarmed citizens in uniform in squad cars to pull people over, and they pull over a bad guy? Well, they're only going to pull over people with Trump stickers. We know that. So <laughs> the, the, odds, the odds of one of us shooting 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 them are pretty low. But but that's what it'll be. They, they, and this is not a disparage. This, I'm not disparaging police officers, but politicians in general. They put speed cameras in affluent neighborhoods and in suburbs where they know people will pay the fines. And it has nothing to do with safety. It has to do with revenue collection. And they're going to they'll target the low risk. They, you know, they shut down lemonade stands because it's real easy to do. And, and they don't have any risk. So uh, there's no backlash from the communities. So that's you know, kind of a jaded view, but that's where I've come. That's where I've, what I've come to now. When it we're <clears throat> when we talk about Joe Gilbert and action tactical, he talks about tactics that will save your life. I would argue one of the most important tactics that will save your life in an encounter with law enforcement is to simply do what they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, compliance is a, compliance is the magic is the magic pill. You know, and for some reason, there is a segment of the population that thinks, "No, I'll try to outrun them." I'll try to fight with them. I'll resist. It's just so foolish. They don't stand a chance. If you want to save lives, don't, don't, you know, attack law enforcement when they pull you over. Do what they ask you to do. It's just so simple. And it's not just racial. Uh, it's not just something that you tell black children. It's what every parent should be telling their children. It's what my father taught me. I, I just, I don't, I can't think, Joe, of a, of a, a, a better way to save your life in an encounter with law enforcement. There's no better way. And we always, we always preached um, to all of our investigators, you can beat the rap, but you can't beat the ride. So no matter why they're cuffing you, no matter why they're detaining you, no matter why they're doing what you're doing, just go along with it. It'll be over. It'll end. But if you start fighting, if you start resisting, whole another game. Yep, absolutely. Ivor Johnson, 45 ACP Hawk, $570. What a steal that is. It's at, it's at Modern Arms along with... Over at the Brown Station location. The, yes. Along, 
Oh, Lord. Along with that Thompson uh, uh, semi-automatic handgun, which looks really neat, and the CZP-10, 9mm, $575, all great prices, all great firearms, all at Modern Arms at the Brown Station at location. At the Brown Station location. Yeah. Uh, Gary, so stop in there. All right. Thank you, Larry. You're opening uh, right about now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm getting ready to uh, turn the door right now. All right. Come see us. So, so, so head on over there. And if you're looking for 40 Cal, he's got some inexpensive that you can use for target practice. Joe Gilbert.us. Joe, thank you for being with us. Thanks, Gary, and good job last Tuesday night. See you soon. Thank you, buddy. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Grandbaby, honey. I'm coming home.